Bereavement Room is a podcast for our community, faith and culture, featuring representative voices from across the UK. And I am your host, Kolsima Ali. I'm Lydia Akobole, and you are listening to the amazing Bereavement Room podcast. Hi, I'm Tasneem Chowdhury, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hey, I'm Lakani Chowa, and you're listening to the Bereavement Room podcast. Hello, I am Nikhut Khan Marawat and you are listening to the Bereavement Room podcast called Kusuma Ali. Thank you for stopping by. Welcome back to the Bereavement Room. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Kosima. I have been away, as you all know, I've been away on an extended break, so I would like to welcome back all of our listeners and our former guests that I know will be listening. It's been a hard few, two months, weeks, months, um, as some of you may know, my father sadly died early on in the year, unexpectedly, so therefore I went on an extended break after releasing our seventh episode with Vaishnavi Ramu. Um... I have taken some time out and I have made the careful decision to do a phased return on the podcast. So I do have a lot in store for you over the coming month or so. I have some exciting guests. One of the things that has been very important to me since my father's death is dedicating the next few episodes to our grandfathers and fathers. Which brings me to say Thank you so much for everyone that reached out with support and love. I really appreciate it. For those of you that checked in, I can only say from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, thank you. And that brings me to also say that I am pleased to announce today's guest. Today's guest is my very good friend, Siddharth Nigam. Siddharth works for a tech company He's someone that I have known from the start of my career, which spans right back to almost 13, 14 years. He's joined us in the bereavement room today to talk to us about his grandfather, who sadly died in 2019. Siddharth, welcome. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. It's Sunday. We've had a few tech issues, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is going to be all right for the next. I'm hoping to. Next hour or so. Um, so, so you and I have known each other for a long time. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of insane how long it is as well. I think yeah. I've known you since the start of my career, basically. Yeah, that's it. Right at the beginning of our career, which is, for context, I think, you know, for our listeners and our other guests, um, the start of our career, yeah, you touched on something very important there, because we are now so far into our careers, uh, over a decade later, you know, like 14 years later. Um, You're an ex-work colleague, but a very good friend. Thank you. You too. (laughs) If I've, never told, if I've never told you that before. <laughs> um, and I think it's really wonderful that we're sitting here today um, and we're having this conversation because I don't think it's one that we would have imagined we would, ha- we would have had 14, Agreed. 15 Agreed. Years, years ago. 
so it feels very special and I hope that everyone gets a lot out of today's episode. So for like context, I mean, you know, I don't want to do all the talking. Mm. Um, we're not going to say where we met, but it was at the start of our career. So maybe you want to say in your own words. I mean, um, we met at a, at, a, uh, you know, at, a, at a company at the start of my career. Uh, well, at the start of your career as well. And um, it, it's strange because... Um, we didn't we, we we were friends but we didn't become friends until really after we left the company which is which is interesting <laughs> so um yeah i feel like the the relationship really flourished after that then there was a gap like there always is a gap for so many people and i feel like now the relationship has just got stronger and i think it's also because of the things that we've experienced in the 14 years i think we've both experienced things that you know are difficult difficult experiences that's bonded us um inadvertently um mm. and uh yeah what more can one say <laughs> yeah and it's a beautiful thing that we're here and you're right that there, there is always a gap and I'll come back to why you know I'll talk about that gap later on mm. in the season at the end of my story I'll reflect back on this conversation uh because that people might not understand why that gap happened but yeah. um for context kind of talk about your background what part of the UK you're from where you work kind of what you do yeah, for yeah, yeah. sure sure so uh background uh I'm Indian uh of origin um but born born here in the UK I've lived my whole life here in the UK although I've traveled a lot uh, so I've lived in Zurich I've lived in Paris um, Amsterdam, India, India. So I lived in India for five years uh, before my GCSEs, and then I was educated here in the UK um, after after that. Um, and prior to being in India, um, I was here in the UK. And most of the traveling I did was in the last ten years, ten twelve years, mm-hmm. and that was with with work. Um, I speak French and German, um, Hindi and English. French and German I learned in um, school and then I went on to do that at university mm. um, and yeah uh, lived in Zurich because I speak German I worked for an investment bank there and then um, French I was working for a massive tech company um, in Paris for mm. ju- just under well just yeah three years and yeah. now I am working in central London um, for another massive tech company and I lead their entire partner support function. So I work for a startup within this massive tech company and I'm building their uh, partner support uh, function. Amazing. Really exciting. It's a lot of work. I don't stop working. Mm. Um, But you know what? I can't complain because it's very challenging. Um, It's always about navigating. It's all about, um, you know, cross collaboration within the business so you're always meeting new people all the time mm. the company is constantly changing and moving very fast so um you know it doesn't yeah. matter what happens in life this yeah. is something that uh, gives me a lot of um excitement and challenges which is which yeah is yeah it helps you carry on doesn't it um Absolutely. yeah <laughs> I, you speak so many languages dude i forgot how many languages you speak <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you remember any of your German? Yeah, um, in fact, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, well, a German, a girl, in fact, and I was saying, yeah, um, my level of German was always very good. So I remember 
very good phrases and very good words. And when I use these words, especially amongst Germans, they're always a little bit stunned. Um, but the thing I have lost is a little bit of my fluency because I just haven't had the chance to use it. Um, I obviously speak fluently in French, but I've had a lot more chances to use it in a business context, which is probably the reason why my French has um, you know, improved mm. over the years massively. But uh, yeah, I'd like to do the same for my German because it's such a beautiful language. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will find that weird, uh, but it really is. It really is. Yeah. Once you learn it, it's one of the most amazing languages. The depth mm. in that language is just unprecedented. Mm. So. Yeah, I, um, I, I like the swear words in German. I'm going to be <laughs> really inappropriate. <laughs> They come across so well. <laughs> yeah. As long as you've got the right tone. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant, though, that you speak all these languages. So, like, what was your favorite? I mean, you've lived all over the place and you've worked everywhere, you know, very international. Would, would you say Paris was your favorite place? or? No, um, no I think, honestly, I haven't had really a favorite place. It's, it's, it's actually a really good question. And now to think about it, I think Paris was the place that I wanted to live um, like desperately. Um, it was a dream of mine. Um, and the fact that that dream came true is incredible. But now in hindsight, I feel that, um, I feel that my favorite place is London. Uh, I'll be very, very honest with you. Having traveled and having lived in different countries and cities, I really feel like the favorite place is London for me because um, it's got everything. It's got everything, uh, cultures, people, work, money, shops, restaurants, um, you name it. Anything you like, it's got everything and it's got a good balance. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I didn't, I never thought that I would be saying that because I actually didn't like London before. And that was one of the reasons why I went on my adventure of traveling the world and living abroad because I was bored of London. Yeah. Um, now having done that, I come back. I appreciate it so much. So yeah, to answer your question, I think London is my favorite place. Love I'm it. Really enjoying it now. Yeah, I think it does take that experience to try out living in other places, moving away from from London for a while to kind of really appreciate what we have here. Uh, yeah. I I'm definitely with you there. I I lived some time away from home, as you know, as well. And I only really appreciated London as home when I moved away. So, um, yeah, I think it's amazing. That's a great answer. <laughs> um, so let, let's get into this. Um, obviously, take care of yourself um, while you recall moments and the experiences that you've been through now yeah. I, I know the story because you told me over dinner and you know we, we see each other quite often um so for our listeners um you're you're going to be talking about your grandfather who sadly died yeah uh it was almost a year ago is that correct yeah exactly yeah mm, you had the anniversary recently yeah um talk to me about who your grandfather was and kind of what happened and what you remember on on that day that he died and then we'll 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 take it from there in your own words and sure. yeah so um I mean, my grandfather for me was this this sort of you know other father figure um i lived 
with him my first six months of my life. I lived with my grandmother and my grandfather uh, whilst my mother was uh, with my father in the UK, essentially setting my father's life up. And they were both setting their lives up. And so my mother um, sent me to Baroda, which is a city in Gujarat, and I spent six or six to eight months with them. And so my my first experiences in my life was with my grandmother, my grandfather, and um, some of the memories I have of my grandfather, of grandmother rather, describing that 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 time is that he changed a lot after I was born. He became a lot more calmer, a lot less strict. He was um, able to, you know, manage situations that he wasn't able to manage before. For example, <laughs> a memory of, you know, myself, of me. Well, I don't remember it exactly, but my grandmother has told me, you know, I, I, he would hold me and I vomited on the back of his shoulder. Mm. <laughs> and um, there's something like this is something that my grandfather never would have liked. It, it's something he would have absolutely hated. But I remember she t- her telling me that, you know, he was really calm. He didn't mind it at all. And, you know, they do say that grandchildren change you. Mm. Um, and, and that is one of the memories that I have sort of etched in my mind that, um, there was this bond that was that was created. It was created with with my being born, but it was also created because of the time that I was able to spend with them, and that's that bond that lived, you know, lived on. Um, and and as a result of that, we've we've always had a great relationship. You know, my grandfather was somebody who was he was always a very strict person. He was somebody that had his views on things, mm. and he saw the world in in you know from his lens from his eyes and it was difficult for people to have conversation with him sometimes. Um, he was a very, very intelligent man and he was a very intelligent man uh, right to the day that he died. Um, the things he was able to do, the independence, his, his, um, his alarming uh, mastery of technology was something that I'll never forget. He mm-hmm. would always know what the new technologies were. He would know how to use them. His, his, his capacity to research on things was, was, um, yeah, impenetrable. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was a, he was a very, very impressive man. So that's my sort of, I would say my take on, on him as a person. And then, you know, in conjunction with that, the relationship we had, the conversations that we could have, the times that we spent together. I mean, I took him to his doctor's appointments. I was there. I was, I was very present in his life. Um, mm. If he had an issue, he could call me. Mm. There was that proximity. There was also that that balance as well of a relationship. There was that respect. Mm. He respected me for the person I was. Um, mm. He respected me for the time that I gave him. Mm. And I think ultimately that is one of the reasons why our relationship was was strong to the to the to the very end. The beautiful memories that you have, the way that you describe your grandfather. Um, you talk about the father figure. You you briefly mentioned that. Um, I think with grandparents, they often are like that second father figure or mother figure. Um, And he kind of brought you up for your first 68 months. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So, So, yeah, they are very much parents. And it's such a special bond and it's something I often hear um, about the relationship with grandparents and grandchildren. Uh, grandchildren do you 
do change grandparents and um it's almost like a turning point in their life I guess it's like they're having second children uh it's it's so the relationship is so different from their children their own children to their grandchildren if that makes sense absolutely and I think I think it's so beautiful the way that you speak about your grandfather um so so kind of I know it's really hard but are you able to talk about what happened on that day? Because I know you were there. Sure. Yeah, what was that like? Who was there? And, you know. You know, I think hindsight, in hindsight, we, we think a lot of things. I think even though the mm. experience of being there, like moments um, before he was dying and, and, and actually being present as he died mm. was, was, you know, horrific. It took me, I, I don't think I actually digested what had happened mm. for quite a while i i thought he was there I, I i thought he was still there um when i would go into his house i didn't feel pain i didn't feel um i didn't feel an absence of, mm -hmm. of him being there because my mind still thought that he was there if i was in the sitting room i would think he was sleeping if i was in his bedroom i would think that he was sitting in the um living room watching tv so so for me to actually digest that he was gone um it it it, it sort of never occurred for me and i think <laughs> bizarrely even to this date i don't think he's gone i i still think he's there i had never really had a moment where i thought he's gone i think he's always going to be there um and i think one of the reasons why i feel like he's not gone is because my grandmother is still here Wow. I feel like mm -hmm. sh 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 it's weird. I feel almost like as they were there for me at the very, very start of my life, mm -hmm. I almost see them both as one person. You know, mm -hmm. there was a balanced amount of love that I had for, for them. I didn't love one, you know, more than the other. I respected mm -hmm. them both in exactly the same way. And they did exactly the same for me. And they had, they sort of, they had the same role um, as, as grandparents. So mm -hmm. I feel like as long as my grandmother is still here, I, I, I feel like I won't feel that absence. Of course, when she goes, and I know that she will go at some point, mm -hmm. that's when things you know, will change. Um, mm -hmm. But then I think it, it comes to a really important point, which is that you, know, you miss people sometimes if you feel you haven't spent enough time with that person. That's when the regret kicks in. That's when the denial kicks in. The guilt. The guilt. Yeah. And, and I feel that, you know, we often have to, we often have to realize that people have to go, right? The, people don't live forever. Some people live to 110, but it's mm. very, very rare. Mm. Some people live to 90. It's very rare as well. My grandfather died at the age of 89. Wow. Um, that's really old and you know he had a fruitful successful life um and i spent a lot of time with him as i mentioned to you earlier on i keep using the word present i was really present in his life mm -hmm. there was nothing i didn't do i did the little things like i even went to buy his nappies for god's sake <laughs> oh bless you know because i know, I know that feeling yeah, yeah. And, and 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 why i'm giving that example is because that's a really just an essential thing that, that my grandfather needed. And I was there. I wasn't in another country. I wasn't in another city. I could do that. I could drive him. And I remember he 
we parked up. He stayed in the car, even though he said to me that he would walk because he never really walked very much. He stayed in the car and I went to Boots and bought those nappies. I had another, I had a the nappy wrapper so that I knew I was buying the right one, Yeah. which I consulted with him. But it's, it's such a trivial example, but it's a trivial example just to showcase the fact that, you know, I was there to do just those, one might say remedial things in his life, but absolutely essential thing vital you know, vital that he, that he needed mm. and so I, I i don't feel any regret i don't feel any guilt um at all because i think he would say himself that you know i was really really there and that is probably one of the reasons why it's just a little bit easier mm. um and i just realize as the days are going that i recognize and appreciate that look he had to go at some point but mm-hmm. i had a relationship with him a really, mm. really important one. Mm. That's very self-aware, actually, uh, how you talked through that. That's, you've got a really high level of self-awareness of, of, of what your relationship was, what you did, how you, how you process your grief day to day and the life that your grandfather lived. And actually, that's given me some food for thought on something that I can reflect on when, I, when we come off the podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, later on because that's not something we really talked about too much in detail I think offline we've talked about it indirectly but that is actually key and I, I hope that our, our listeners get something from that um yeah I, I love that you were you went to boots with the the nappy rapper so you didn't get the wrong one <laughs> I didn't I didn't yeah. he wouldn't have let me get the wrong one <laughs> And I, and I think that's really important about the nappies um, when you get to a certain age. Um, it's not trivial. That's actually a really, it might sound trivial, but it's uh, actually a really key, vital and necessary thing. And it's also a dignity. It's also about dignity. And I, I feel that's lovely that you did that. You're such a good grandson. <laughs> really good well, grandson. You know, as, as I said, I was there all the time. We, yeah. we, knew, we knew the things that he needed. And I, yeah. I've seen the uh, the pictures that you post, pictures of your grandparents together. Yeah, yeah. They used to bring me so much warmth. Like, I look at them and I'd be like, oh, it's so cute. Because <laughs> they're, they're like a generation that, you know, they are a very special generation, your grandparents' generation, um, that sacrificed a lot for our generation. And yeah. and I and I think that's something we shouldn't forget because one can only imagine the, the sacrifices they had to make. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So I know you were there on the day that he died and we, we talked about that over dinner and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, so please just say. If no, you don't no, no, it's fine. Go it's, over fine. It's, it's easier now to talk about it because I've spoken about it a few times already. Mm, okay. Um, and I don't even think it was... Uh, it's really weird. I, I think talking about it afterwards wasn't as hard as I thought it was. Mm. I think it was more just going through that night. Mm. Um, and just, And I think it was also just weird how it all happened. Um, I, th- I think I could just walk you through like the sequence of events very quickly. Um, he was absolutely fine on the day, uh, but what was really, really strange was his his desire to want to go out in the evening to see some family members. It was something that he never, ever, ever 
really wanted to do. He, he, he actually had a fear of going out for a while because he had a few um, falls um, and some of them could have, could, have, could have been critical. And so that developed um, you know, in him a fear to actually leave the home. And that was also one of the reasons why we used to get a little frustrated with him because he needed to exercise. He needed mm-hmm. to walk and that was something that he wasn't doing. But as we, as you know, the days went on, and we started to realize that, you know, it was really because of this fear, which is why we stopped forcing him or encouraging him to do much going out. But that particular day, he was very, very, very willing to leave to the point that, and I still remember my grandmother saying to us that the, you know, an hour before leaving, he was ready, dressed up, you know, nicely dressed up. He, you know, what, what he put his he put his own socks on. He put his own shoes on, which is again something that he didn't really do. My grandmother would help him. So I think the the, the evening started almost on a on a different note. Let's put it that way. And then when we went to um, my aunt's house, he was fine. He was talking. He was conversing. Normally, normally he wouldn't talk. He would be very very quiet. But here he was actually conversing. Um, and we all just sort of thought that he's getting better. That's how we, that's how we saw it. We, we just thought, well, you know, probably he's getting better. Um, what we could know, what we could see during that night were, and that, and also even coming into the house, my aunt's house. And then as the, as the night went on was how slowly he was walking, um, to the point where we needed to really help hold him up (laughs) for him to walk. And that was something Mm -hmm. That was something that was very different to 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 to, to you know to to normal, and um, as we were leaving that evening after dinner, um, his walking just got even slower. Um, his energy was 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 very low, not even much lower, but just very low. Mm-hmm. And as we walked out of the house, he he nearly fell. Uh, we got a chair for him, and he sat down. And basically, we just basically watched his right face drop. Um, that is what was scary. Watching that is actually a, an image that's etched in my mind. And that's probably the image that I'll never forget. And that's probably the moment where I was scared. And I remember looking at my sister's face. Um, and we both looked at each other. And I remember just that glance that we exchanged was just one of this realization that we are going to lose him that this is probably the, his last night. But we didn't, want to, we didn't want to appreciate or even accept that. But I remember that glance was, 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 was probably something that I'll never forget. Um, he had this mini stroke. That's what, that's what we realized it was. Mm. And then he was fine. Oh, a TIA. Yeah, okay. uh, probably that's what it was. And then he was fine to the point where, as we were calling the ambulance, he just said, no, 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 don't call the ambulance. I don't want to go to the hospitals. Um, and one thing I must add over here is that my grandfather was somebody that hated hospitals. He hated going to the hospital. Uh, um, and so he just refused. And he said, look, I'm absolutely fine. I was speaking to the ambulance and the ambulance woman asked me to, you know, check certain things, his age. Um, and she asked some other questions can he lift his arms up and he was doing everything and he was almost doing it humoristically even because he felt absolutely fine. Um, we were, so there was him, it was him against us. 
us saying that he needed to go to the ambulance and him saying, no, I don't need to go. And that's probably where it became sort of humoristic slightly mm. because um, he started to laugh and joke and say, look, I'm absolutely fine. Mm. And, and what he actually had was a surge. He had a surge. Um, and what they say is people are about to die. This surge can last um, quite, quite a while. And it can also just be, it could just last, last an hour. And they say that prior to the person actually dying, they have this surge whereby it gives the impression that they're fine. Yes. They're able to walk fine. They're able to, you know, compute things fine. They're able to converse to the point where you think that they're fine. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very dangerous because, you know, where you have grandparents who are on their own, it mm -hmm. can lead to families to leave them on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why some people die on their own, which is really, really sad. And I think mm -hmm. this is something that people need to recognize that when you almost feel like you're going to be losing a loved one, when they have this, when they showcase this sort of behavior where, where it gives the impression that they're fine, they might not be. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good to just stay with them. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that we did because um, when we went home, he was fine. He took his socks off. He went to the bathroom. He came out of the bathroom. He even asked my grandmother to essentially say, to essentially call my aunt up to say, hey, everything's fine because they were obviously very, very worried. So we all, I remember we were all in the living room, my sister, my mother, my grandmother, myself. We just looked at each other. That was another glance that I'll never forget because it was one of complete bemusement and mm -hmm. just, just could not understand what was going on. Um, and he went from the bathroom to his room and he called my grandmother. And then my grandmother went to check on him. And literally within 30 seconds, she was calling my mother. But it was almost like a scream. Um, and my mother ran. My sister ran behind my mother. And I remember my sister was just standing at the door. She didn't go in. And I followed behind her very, very quickly. And I went and looked um, and could see my mother just holding my grandfather from almost from his shoulders. So she was, um, her back was against a wardrobe. And my grandfather had basically fallen in the corner of, 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 of one of the rooms. Um, and she was holding him up from his shoulders. And his legs were just sprawled, um, you know, across him. And she just, she just couldn't hold him. And so I went to the front of him to almost help my mother and pick him up. And I could just sort of see his face. He, he was almost, it was almost like he was drunk. You know, um, mm -hmm. you know how, how somebody could just be very, very drunk. Yeah. They're, they're sort of half there, conscious, and then half completely spaced out. And um, he literally blew, almost like sort of breathed out twice. And my mother, I looked at my mother, and that's another look that I will never forget. So I think what I realized from talking about this is that I just remember glances that I gave my sister, that I gave my mother, that we gave one another. Mm. And those are, the, those are the glances that make me re remember the sequence of events of what happened. And that's when the fear, and it was in those glances that the fear really kicked in. Um, and that's probably what I won't forget. So he breathed out twice. My mother looked at me and she said, oh, I, he's probably sleeping. And then he breathed out twice again. And yeah. that is the final breath. So the fact that my mother was holding him, I was facing him, 
Mm. We were there. We were there to the very, very moment that he died. And mm. I almost think that I was lucky, 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 lucky to be there to that, you know, that very moment. He was there when I was born. I spent the first six months of my life with him. The moments we shared were my first moments on this earth. And then I am sharing that last moment of breath with him. I'm mm. there at the very, very moment. That's, there's, there's a beauty in that. There's yeah. a beauty to be able to say that yeah. <laughs> we were able to share one another's life, my beginning of life and his ending of life. But he was peaceful. He died peacefully. He had a peaceful heart attack. Um, and we have doctors who confirm that the way he died is probably the way that a lot of people would dream to die because it was painless. Mm. Um, probably what was painful after that was doing CPR on him um, because that's what we were trying to do. He regained consciousness for probably a split second. But... Who, who, who did the CPR? Was that you? That was me. That yeah. was me. Um and uh, a, a neighbor as well who helped me. I realized CPR is really hard. Um, mm. People who can do it for very long periods are um, are incredible because uh, I feel like I'm very fit, but <laughs> I was I did a great job, but it was really hard. Yeah. And they took him. They took him to the hospital. They took him to High Wycombe Hospital, and um, I think we all knew that. We were kidding ourselves to think that he was going to regain consciousness. We, but we kind of just hoped. And I think sure. what was present in that house after he'd been taken was this air of hope, real hope mm. that he would he would come back. But I think our behaviours, our disposition, suggested otherwise. Um, we were we were so com- conflicted um, as a family. Mm. Um, and then when we went to the hospital, we drove to the hospital. I remember sitting next to my mother, and my mother was very, very upset, um, of course. But she's somebody that doesn't really show her emotions. She mm. never has been, and she never broke down and cried. But I think she—you could just see her sobbing, and that was really, really saddening. Um, and then we went to the hospital. Um, pretty much moments after we arrived, the doctor came and. He basically just said, I'm sorry, but um, he gave an explanation. It was very, it was very humanly done, humanely done, uh, mm. I have to say. Um, That's important. That's very important. It is. It is. And, mm. um, and I think, you know, I would say that to any professional doctor, you know, professional out there, that doing it humanely is so important. It's, it does change everything. And. I would urge people who haven't done that uh, as, a, as a doctor professional who's announcing the death of somebody, you shouldn't be doing your job anymore. That's what I would say, because it changes that family's perspective. It helps that family. And if you don't do your job properly, it can destroy it. Um, so that's, that's one, one thing I learned you know, from, from that experience. He, didn't, he just explained what they did um, and that they couldn't revive him. And, uh, and it was yeah. empathetic. Would you say it was very empathetic and compassionate the way they delivered the explanation? Absolutely, it was empathetic. It was compassionate. They, he also gave us the space to actually digest what was being said to us, um, and that is probably one of the things that I would I, I really respected in in this particular doctor. Mm. Um, he'd either he'd done this before several times before. Um, 
and so he he or he was educated so perhaps there's an education piece here as well to think about um but yeah uh I, I can't fault him on that and then we had the opportunity to see him that was surreal i'd say that's probably the best way mm. to describe it it was surreal just to sort of see him lifeless mm. um and i think the backdrop of it was also very very sad because obviously there was my grandmother who was just sitting there and she was just cons- you know inconsolable oh gosh um and so mm. i think for me that moment i remember just thinking i need to look after her i need to be there for her i need yeah. to change my life um there are certain things that i wanted to do that i probably won't be able to do mm. um but i had the rest of my life to do that um but the time i spend with her and the time i've spent with my grandfather um you know i as i said just final point the the point that i mentioned earlier on about the fact that i didn't feel guilt that i didn't feel regretful because i'd spent a lot of time yeah um that's really helped me massively um and i remember just thinking looking at my grandmother she was crying that i don't want to feel any different to when my grandmother goes and i know that look let's be realistic she's not going to live forever um but when she does pass away i want to feel exactly the same thing and i think i will i think i will feel like i was i was that and that's all that we can do as grandchildren that's all that we can do as you know um the children of our parents um it's to think that look we were there we've done everything we've got a relationship we have been there for for our loved ones um and that's all that we can do as human beings um i think people who just take their parents or they take their grandparents for granted really should look at themselves in the mirror and think do you know what get a grip on life these are the most important people um that you'll ever ever experience life with treasure that don't treasure your you know relationship with friends who don't even care about you or who just need you when they need you um your grandparents and your parents your siblings are people that will always be there for you no matter what if you do something wrong they will still love you they have to <laughs> but they will still love you because they know you in a way that no other person will ever know you and i think you know there are very few people in life who actually get the opportunity to have friends like that and if you have friends like that that's that's unique but not many Amazing. people have that that you know that um that uh, experience uh, so i think treasure what you have and that is your family mm, it's unconditional love exactly Uh, that was so beautifully said. I was so like I was so present and with you there as you were saying that, and it's so important to spend time with parents. You know, when my mum died, and I I know people don't know the full story yet, but that was one of those things where I think her death made me realise what was more important you know what you say about friends the friends that are there for you and the ones that aren't and you kind of you you see what's real in that moment and for me it was really like it really changed the relationship i had with my father um yeah. and the time that i spent with my family members after her death um it just puts everything into perspective uh you you won't get those moments back you know they they're very precious moments and as you say you've got the rest of your life to do all these other things but what we have with our grandparents and our parents when it's gone it's gone it's true so true yeah can you bring more 
yeah I'm just uh, processing that and just taking it all in really um yeah no beautifully said Han really really beautifully said so so you know what was the funeral like um is it was it a Hindi funeral you had what was the aftermath like do you remember the next day the the days following what that experience yeah I I remember the funeral really well I mean Mm. I had I was speaking um and I was really composed it was really weird um um very very weird I you know, I think bizarrely, I, I computed his, or I digested my grandfather's death quite, quite well. Um, I think, mm. you know, I couldn't just sit there crying all the time. Uh, there were, yeah. I had my moments where I was crying, but it was all, it was always on my own. Mm. Um, the, the, uh, the funeral wasn't actually as bad as I'd, I'd, I'd expected. What was probably the worst was coming back from the hospital and driving back to my parents' house and then driving back to my house. Mm. Um, and I was on my own at that time. So there was that, that was a bit difficult. It was difficult just to walk in. I just feel, remember just feeling this incredible level of um, just exhaustion um i was so exhausted and it almost felt like i had this absolutely massive weight on my shoulder and i remember just going into going to sleep and i just remember waking up and waking up was probably the worst i felt because i just felt this this immense feeling of loss yeah um, emptiness an absolute absolute emptiness and Mm -hmm. that and that i'll never forget i mean if i close my eyes right now I can still remember waking up, looking ahead from my bed, from lying down from my bed, and just looking at the door in front of me. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, what has just happened? <laughs> you know, and that is, and I just felt this emptiness and then this, this, this sort of sadness real real deep sadness um and and then after that i just sort of got on i just had to get on with my day um called my mom called my sister and then i just remember just getting myself ready and then driving to my grandparents to my grand to see my grandmother and then you know family was there i think what was really nice was that everybody was there Mm. Um, we all congregated together and that was nice everybody no one was alone my grandmother wasn't alone we we spent quite a few weeks um months i think two months at least uh together um so this year last year we were yeah we were all together as a family um so funeral was was fine I, i just to answer your question i I spoke, I, I, I gave a eulogy. It was really, really nice. I think it was mm. really, um, it took me a while to write that. Yeah. Um, I had to get the tone right. I had to get the wording right. Um, and I did the eulogy for my, sis, for, my, for my mother as well because she broke down mm. as she was speaking. Oh, um, gosh. And I kind of did the same for my aunt as well, my mum's sister. Um, yeah, so it was really nice. I think it was a very successful eulogy you know successful uh, i mean a successful as a as a 
as a funeral can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by successful, I mean that, you know, all the people that we wanted were there. Um, we had a nice video that we showed, and that was really beautiful. I think we all just started to cry as a family as we watched the video because, you know, just sort of seeing his face, you know, for some reason, see his fa- we hadn't seen his face. Last time I'd seen his face was when I saw him at the hospital, and that too, it was lifeless. Um, he, he, he didn't seem like the same person. Um, and so seeing him on that video was almost like seeing him again. <laughs> um, and that was, you know, really, really sad. Uh, and then we just had like, we had lunch. And then after that, you know, sort of life just went on. I think after that, we scattered his ashes. Oh, okay, where, where did you scatter his ashes? Was it a special place or? It was a special place. It was a beautiful place. It was a place that was recommended by one of my mum's friends because actually, bizarrely, three of my mum's friends lost their fathers at the same time. Mm. Um, And so they'd all gone through the same thing. And so one of my mum's friends said that they'd actually scattered their ashes at this, at this, um, I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere in, uh, God, I can't remember now. But a really beautiful place, um, really beautiful place, um, somewhere in the, I can't remember, the name escapes me, um, but it's a lovely, the... okay. it, was, it, was, it was on a boat, we went on a boat, oh, took okay. a boat ride, and then we scattered them in the waters, but it was a beautiful, oh, it was a really beautiful place. And It, it was um, in the UK, yeah? Was yes. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. In, okay. Um, Richmond. Ah, Richmond. okay. Richmond, somewhere in Richmond. I can't remember exactly the place, but it was really, really pretty. Yeah. Did you say a prayer or anything? No, no, we didn't say a prayer or anything. We just scattered ashes, I think. Mm-hmm. Then we had lunch together. That was nice. That was really nice. So it was like the first time that all the family were together. And then we invited one of my grandfather's good friends. Um, I don't know how good a friend he is right now, but hey. Uh, to be honest, I think I had this, I, for, for a moment, I had this idea in my head that perhaps the relationship with them would, you know, really um, extend to something else, to something deeper and bigger, because my grandfather wasn't there and because he was such a close friend. But honestly, like, I've tried... Do you think it's the pain then? Do you reckon it's the pain? Because... No, I, I, no. I, I, oh, okay. I don't think it's the pain at all. Okay. I just think it's just life. It's the fact that people just get on with their life. But I made quite a lot of effort to, you know, to see him and email him. And he didn't really reciprocate as as, as much as I, or as well as I would have expected. Mm. But you know what? I don't, I, I don't let these things bug me. Uh, because to be honest, all of that is secondary. Mm. What's primary is just the way the you know, the way the funeral happened, the fact that we were able to pay our respects, the fact that we were able to scatter our ashes um, and that it was a really lovely place where we did it. Um, The fact that, you know, the cremation happened, you know, as well as a cremation can happen. The fact that we had a lovely lunch afterwards. um, And then the fact that we were all together, that the fact that we spent a lot of time together afterwards as a family and that we were one unit and that we could be there for my grandmother. I think... Those are the things that people should be focusing after, you know, after a funeral, not on, you know, failed friendships or people just being people in society. Um, One of the things I've learned very quickly is that people will just do what they want to do. Um, 
and it really has given me a newfound appreciation of you know a family i wouldn't say that as a family we're a close we're very very close for me my family is my grandmother my sister my parents that's really it um and it's sad for me to say that but i feel that the bond that i have with them um it's far superior to some of the other family members um don't ask me why that's the case but it's just the, it's just the way it is unfortunately um and it's taken me a lot to digest that it's it's upset me i've gone through waves of feeling upset disappointed unhappy about that but i think i think it was my sister who said to me that look if you just appreciate that that's the relationship you have the sooner you appreciate that the sooner you can move on and you can start focusing your energies on the people that really do count and the people mm. that are really present in your life and then you can give all your positive energy to them instead of releasing negative energy on on people that you have expectations over but are not perhaps um you know giving you or 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 the the capability yeah they yeah, are yeah or servicing your expectations um mm, that sound advice to, from your sister sound yeah, sound definitely. advice and i think it's something i've also taken for friends um as well yeah i used to really you know i, I think you know <laughs> this point that i'm going to make sort of is it's something that came out of dealing with the death of my grandfather which is that we do in life spend a lot of time thinking about what we don't have rather than actually thinking about what we do have and i have to say and i have to admit here on this podcast that for a very very long time i was somebody and i think still i'm a victim to it i'm somebody that didn't really appreciate what i have um i've just worked 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 for what i want and i'm i've always at one point in time thought that something is very 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 important to me i've lived to get that and then when i do get it i don't actually appreciate it i'm focusing on the next thing um and it's the same thing i've done with friendships as well you know i've 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 really focused on reviving friendships with people that i probably shouldn't have done you know mm-hmm. done that for i've mm-hmm. given them that importance and not given importance to the people that i should have been giving importance to mm-hmm. um so i think sometimes death can actually you know reflect in many areas of your life um and it can give you a newfound perspective as well yeah and and you and one should embrace it which brings me on to now we I'd love to talk to you about bereavement support and counseling mm i know that you have not had any sort of traditional counseling support or bereavement no um you ticked other when i sent you the form um are you able to tell me what that other looks like for you and what that sort of self care and that support in your <laughs> grief over the past year what that looked like f- for you and how you carry on now because one year is nothing it's very fresh and yeah. it will always be fresh but one year is it's that you know it's a, a key time in your life since your grandfather's death so what what does support look like for you why did you not take counseling I think I didn't take counseling because of the things that ensued after the, my grandfather's death. I had a um, break broken relationship which was very unfortunate. We were selling our home which was very very stressful. Um and the person that we sold to I 
have no words to describe. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> I remember. Let's yeah, definitely remember not that. go there. Yeah. But I think um, the point that I want to make there is that the exhaustion that I was feeling, the frustration, um, sadness that, that I was feeling was all just taken over by 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 you know by by my by, by my relationship breaking up unfortunately sale of my house my health as well i yeah. thought that i had cancer at that, yeah, I remember at, that. At, at, at one point in the in the year i was not well yeah. um, i was having weird symptoms that i couldn't understand the doctors couldn't understand the symptoms and and then um that proceeded with um and, and work at that time were amazing i have to say the company i was working for then another massive tech company, my manager, if he's listening to this podcast, um, he was amazing. Um, mm -hmm. It really, really was. Why was he amazing? Just really open and just gave me the space that I needed. Um, and I almost feel bizarrely that that space that he gave me, that comfort that he put me in was almost like my counseling because it gave me the time to just digest all the things that I was going through at that point in time. And I was going through lots of things that are very, very difficult for people to deal with. I was dealing with death. I was dealing with a breakup and it almost felt like a divorce because I'd been with my partner for so long. Um, we'd done so many things. We were going through the sale of a property. Um, uh, and then on top of that, you know, I started, I, 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 I um, started to come to the realization that I might be made redundant. <laughs> mm. Not because I wasn't doing my job well, that was not the case at all. It was more just a case of, because I was working for an acquisition, that as the company was getting more and more acquired, roles were becoming redundant as a result. Um, yeah. I remember having a conversation with my manager where he was saying that, look, um, I'm doing absolutely everything I can to make sure that you you, you know, you can maintain your job, if not within the acquired company, um, but also, or, or perhaps the company that's acquiring us. Yeah. Um, but I can't, I cannot, uh, I cannot. Um, uh, you can't guarantee it to you. I can't, thank you. I yeah. cannot guarantee that you'll have a job. So just get your CV ready. And I just remember just thinking <laughs> to myself, I just remember just thinking to myself, how many things can one person go through? What, what is whoever is up there, God, whatever higher up power is up there, what message are they, him or her, <laughs> trying to send? What, what learning am I supposed to, you know, extrapolate from all that's happening? And why? And why or why is this all happening in one year at mm. the same time? That's a lot. You know, um, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and what's the conclusion going to be? And I just remember just thinking, do you know what, like, to answer your initial question, Kansuma, why didn't I get counselling? I just didn't have the time to sit in a room in front of somebody and, 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 and ask somebody for an answer because I realised that there was no answer. Um, and I think it kind of raises the, 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 the point of <laughs> you've got to be ready to, count, to, to, to do counselling, right? Mm. And I just didn't know what the hell was going on with my life. I just mm. didn't know what direction my life was going in. I didn't understand why this is all happening to me right now. I didn't understand what I'd done to deserve this. Um, I didn't know what I was supposed to learn from all of this. I didn't know when I was going to be able to pick myself up from all of this. I didn't know when things were going to get better. 
Um, I didn't know what I needed to do. Um, and I certainly didn't think that there was anybody out there that could sit in front of me and tell me what I needed to do. Uh, no amount of money at that point in time was going to be able to pay for the answers that I needed. Mm. Um, and so hopefully that answers your question of you know, why I didn't get counseling, because I didn't think that there was anybody in that world at that point in time in my life, in this world, that was able to help me. Um, mm. I could only help myself. And that was just taking each thing at a time and mm. just dealing with it mm. one by one. And that's what I did. I dealt with my relationship. I dealt with the sale of the house. I dealt with you know, the prospect of having to look for a new job. And that is why I'm at this amazing company now because that's what, you know, that's what I put my efforts in. Mm. Um, I dealt with my health. Um, yeah. That's amazing. You had so much going on in that year and you really hit the nail on the head there about you need to be ready for cancelling. And you were so self-aware of all of the feelings that you had and what was going on in your life. And, you know, you were working that out and trying to navigate that. And you were so self-aware that actually this isn't the time for cancelling. Maybe in the future, but right now, no, yeah. it's not It's not going to work for me. And hats off to you. Not many people, well, you know, I don't want to generalise, but I, I hear in my yeah. line of work in bereavement that uh, sometimes that's a very hard, that's a skill. And um, sometimes it's hard to work that out. And people may go into cancelling very quickly and hope to get that quick fix. But it, it, yeah. Yeah. you, 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 brainstormed that out in your head and you were really self-aware you worked out now is not the time for that and actually this what's going to help me is to take things one at a time and think about this more and reflect on this a little bit more um and I think that's so amazing like you really inspire me the way that you, you. <laughs> really honestly because uh, I've never heard you say that before um I don't think we talked about that in no. so so much detail until now and wow that that's given me a lot to think about as well <laughs> and, and, and anyone else that's considering cancelling and bereavement and is in two minds I think what you said there is very valuable and I, I think people will find that very helpful. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you um, for sharing. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's the first time I've actually thought about this mm. in this way. It's mm. the first time I've actually vocally, you know, said um, that this is how I was feeling. Mm. Um, and how does that feel saying that now out loud? I think it makes me feel like I'm a really strong person. I don't mm -hmm. think I realize my strength sometimes. Um, I don't think I realize my ability to um, rationalize things. Um, and also my, my ability, I'm realizing my ability to make decisions for myself very, very quickly on the spur of a moment. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's one of my biggest strengths. I'm realizing it more at work. Um, as things are getting more challenging and as things are getting more complicated, um, you've got to make quick decisions. Um, and I think just talking about this uh, is making me, yeah, realize what my strengths are um, more than anything else. Um, and wonderful. the fact that I still have a lot to learn as well. I still have a lot to learn, but I think 
I'm a sponge. I always have been a sponge to the world. Mm. Um, I've always been this open-minded, open person, um, not egotistical in any way. Mm. So um, no, it's also I... really making me think that, you know, I just need to continue down this trajectory mm. and just keep, keep, keep strong, keep strong, keep going. Um, life okay. is full of unexpected turns and I had my share of unexpected turns in one year where it felt like hell but I never let myself succumb to that hell because I I just remember just thinking god oh why is all this happening but mm. we have to carry on um mm. what was alternative committing suicide uh no that's not me um I would say that my mental health is you know is it's at a stage where I can keep my life in control so so you talked about um it's dying by suicide and i think we talked about it on the podcast before and i i know language is really important yeah. because saying committed uh, can be painful and also it's not a crime but yeah. i i hear what you're saying in this context context so i just wanted to ask is mm. suicide something you thought about uh just because i never heard you talk about that before never so, so i've never your life. Okay. i never thought about it i've always thought oh you know i don't remember the health uh, when the health kickback, when I had my health kickback, I just remember just thinking, do you know what? It was, I think it was more, it was not so much the fact that I had the health kickback because, you know, I always, I always think that <laughs> we all have these, uh, everybody has a point in their life where something happens with their health. Mm. Um, that's just life. We're getting older. Um, we're not, we're not going to be young and supple and, and healthy, um, all throughout our life. So I wasn't being naive there. I think where the suicide kicked in was when there was the confusion. There was this cloud of confusion on um, what symptoms I was having and what they were telling the doctors and the fact that the doctors could not um, come to some sort of a conclusion. That is when I was very, very frustrated because I was going through pain. I was going through um, symptoms that were just preventing me from leading my daily life, mm. traveling sometimes. It was, it was putting me in, you know, through a state of, I would say depression, but just anxiety. And mm. that's something I don't normally feel. Mm. And so I just remember just thinking, oh God, you know what? Like with everything that's happened already, um, this just compounded, uh, you know, what I was going through and mm. you know, the energy that was, you know, you know, inside of me and I just remember just thinking god do you know what like I could even you know now would be the time where I could just even consider suicide but I never would ever have gone through it because I feel that at that point in time that, that would have been the you know the easy way out and I was like you know what I'm not going to even consider something like this uh, you know until I know what it is that that I have what's wrong yeah until oh, you actually uh, know if it's life-threatening terminal um, yeah I, I, I'm a firm believer that everything that's happened in my life has happened for a reason. Um, at, le at least that's how my life has, has, has been. The bad things, the good things, certainly the bad things that have happened have always had a reason. It's, 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 it's led to something great. Um, and, and, and sometimes I'm amazed by, 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 by some of the great things that have come out of horrible things that have happened in, life, in my life or or maybe the horrible things that I've experienced. Um, but uh, yeah, 
I, 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 I just sort of said to myself, look, I remember those moments. Remember mm-hmm. you carried on. So mm-hmm. all you need to do is just carry on now and things will get better. It can only go up from here. When mm-hmm. you're at minus, when you're at a minus number, you can only go up. <laughs> yeah. Things can only get better. <laughs> things can only get better. And I really think that that's true. You know, if you have, if you have, um, if you have a, you know, the, a, a strength of mind and you have a purpose, uh, I know it sounds really, really lame and it can sound quite trivial, but if you have a purpose, and I really feel that in this world I have a purpose, mm. um, and I feel like I haven't done what I want that I'm on this earth to do, mm. there is no way in hell that I could consider anything like suicide or anything like, you know, yeah, yeah. Giving, giving up my life because, yeah. You, you value your life and you still got a journey to live. And although it's something you considered in that moment, it was compounded by so many elements. It sounds like it was a, I remember that time. I remember when you were sick and that was on your mind. You had a lot, you had a lot going on. Um, yeah. And so, to be honest, I don't even know how I did. I, I don't even know how I dealt with it. If you ask me that, like said, how did you actually deal with it? I would say that's something I don't even know how I did it. I just did it. I just you carried on. Did it. I just carried on. I just did it. I just, um, yeah, I, I took everything I mentioned earlier. I took everything one by one. Mm. And you just do it. You just do what you have to do. You just don't don't make excuses. Um, don't succumb to how sad each element is mm. or each thing that's happening in your life. Just don't let your mind drift off in that in that you know in that direction because once you do that that's when things start taking you backwards rather than forwards Mm. it's really interesting you should say that because in my own experiences um the one thing that really helps me and I know it will sound really odd is my anger it actually makes Mm. me very productive and I get a lot of shit done um I I know that sounds strange but um it it's a really helpful tool and uh, actually, it was confirmed when I went to a student gathering at Batan. Batan is, uh, it stands for Black African Asian Therapy Network. I went there with a dilemma last year, and I was I was saying I was uncomfortable with my anger and where it's leading me to. Mm. And, the, and the facilitator, she turned around, she said, stop. She was like, that anger is very helpful it's a helpful tool and it's going to help you so they would kind of bring me back to how um you know to reflect a bit more on that because I, I went in with a dilemma that I needed some external perspective on um so it's really interesting how you say how you carry on you find your inner tools and your inner resources you don't know where it comes from or how you did it but you do it so, yeah, wonderful, wonderful for sharing. I just want to um, backtrack a little bit. You talked about your wonderful manager at the company you worked for at the time, this yeah. tech company. So, so on the podcast, we've talked a lot about UK Compassionate Leave, and I, I don't want to get into it lengthy because, uh, you know, we have kind of exhausted it a little bit. There'll be a special episode on Jack's law later on in the year it's a new law that comes into effect in April for parents whether you've heard of it they get um parental leave I just wanted to say um your manager sounded wonderful and uh he gave you that time and space very respectful I would say uh what's your view just very briefly on compassionate leave and why it's important do you have one to share 
I think it's a really good question. I think um, it's one of those it's one of those questions that a lot of companies broach. Um, the company I'm working on at the moment, uh, working in rather, uh, at the moment, their compassionate leave is you take as many days as you need. Um, and to be honest, I feel like that is the most respectful approach that you can take because people deal with death in very different ways. Some people deal with it like they just, you know, they it's like a cut on their finger and they just put a plaster on it. Some people have this insane capacity to deal with death in, in that way. And then there are some people who really, really are so affected. And so one day it's like an insult. I personally feel like it's an insult. You almost have to treat each human being as an, as an entity, you know, and you need to understand what they need and ask them what they actually need. So my view is to go big. And what I mean by that is give them all the time they need. If they need a month, if they need two months, then that's what they need. If their mother has died or their father has died or their brother or their sister has died, that is probably one of the most difficult things that they or that person is ever going to deal with. And so as a company, go big, give them all the time that they need and then let them make the decision when they want to come back. Don't say that you only have one day and restrict that grieving you know, grieving period that they that they need to go through by just telling them that they need to come back you know after one day and that they that they have responsibilities that's the last thing that that person needs to be thinking about so my view is yeah go big do what my current company is doing which i which i think is amazing um the social network who we're not going to name um yeah and and then on par parental leave i think it's amazing now that fathers are also getting the opportunity to spend time, you know, with their kids and take, mm -hmm. you know, several months with their with with their kid and actually bond with their kid at that very very young age because before it was only mothers that were able to bond uh, in that way and now we're moving into a new era where fathers were able to bond in the same ways and that probably will change the relationship that they have with their kids. Um, it will equalize that relationship. So I think that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, thank you so much for sharing um, that. I think it's important to get uh, different perspectives and experiences and viewpoints on what UK compassionate leave should look like. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you and I've said it time and time again in, in the podcast, it needs to be holistic. And I'm really great that the, your current workplace, um, and they are well known globally that they, they adopt that um, holistic approach. So hats off yeah. to them for, for, for doing that because there's many organisations that are still learning or aren't aware that their policy <laughs> is ineffective. Which now is kind of bringing us to the end of the podcast. And I'm, and I feel a bit sad because I feel like you and I could talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a great thing that we're friends because we will probably talk about it more. Yeah, uh, and I And I just really appreciate it. I really do. So um, uh, just uh, two final things, really. Um, we're going to, I want to talk a bit more about the memories of your grandfather. Just what was your favorite memory before we go on to the gratefulness challenge and, and then end? I think my, 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 my uh, best memory was seeing him on Christmas day. And I brought this massive bottle of champagne. Um, 
my grandmother and my grandfather both like champagne. It's really bizarre. They don't like anything else, but they love champagne, which <laughs> is probably a testament to why um, I am the way I am. <laughs> I love champagne as well. And I remember bringing this massive bottle, and I just remember seeing his eyes. Um, it was just, just of joy. Um, and he, I remember him saying to me that, oh, this is great. I love the champagne, and the fact that we can all share it together is great. And I just remember just thinking, God, you know what? I can have Christmas with friends in a, you know, in or family in another part of the world in a really luxury hotel with a, you know, a luxury banquet of, you know, food. Um, but I don't want that. I don't want anything like that. What I want and what I am having right now is the best thing that I probably could have. And that is, you know, just being able to spend the time with him and seeing that joy in his face as well was just was invaluable i mean it's something i can never forget so i'd say that's one of the best memories i have of him that i keep that's beautiful thank you for sharing that so it now takes us on to the gratefulness challenge uh do you know what the gratefulness challenge is no i'm intrigued okay <laughs> so uh i did a gratefulness challenge about two or three years ago and i, d I don't know if I don't know if we were Instagram friends at that time, um, but I was posting the stories on Instagram and I was kind of doing a different challenge every day. So you just name what you're grateful for every day. It could be one or two things, big or small. And it just kind of, it was like a gratitude diary, I guess. Um, I was going through a bad time and it just helped me yeah. wake up and say out loud what I'm grateful for. And the one thing that I like to do on this podcast is you know, if it's appropriate, is to name one thing that we're grateful for in the here and now. Or, or if you've got more than one thing, that's fine. Sure. So would you like to go first or shall I? You go first. Okay, okay. Um, I have just resumed this podcast after an extended break. As many of you know that my, my dad died unexpectedly. I nearly threw in the towel, but I realised that it would have defeated the whole point of why I set up this podcast, this platform in the first place. Mm. I am self-aware that I do need to take time and be gentle with myself, as everyone says, and look after my mental health. But you know something? I'm so grateful that I did set this up because it's not just a podcast. It's a peer-to-peer -peer support group, essentially. And from it, I've had so much support, and but all, my guests equally have supported each other, and we've made new friends or new sort of realizations and new perspectives. It's it's been a learning tool. Um, this is the first conversation I'm having since coming back to the podcast. Wow. Um, and I'm really glad that I have you know, I've done it, I've made that step, but most of all, really grateful that it's with you, Sadaf, because... <laughs> I was just going to say, that's going to uh, be the first reason for being grateful, that. Yeah, it's you, because you're my friend, and we've seen each other in our highs and our lows, um, yeah. and it feels very comforting to have come back to the podcast and to begin the story of the importance of what you said earlier, the father figures in our life, the importance yeah. of our grandfathers and fathers, which is something that is very important to me. And that's what I'm grateful for today. Amazing, amazing. 
Well, actually, um, whilst you were speaking, there were so many things that it sort of uh, helped me to sort of realize the things that I'm grateful for. I think I'd say three things, three quick things. One thing, very grateful for, you know, being invited by you, Kalsuma, to do this because just in speaking about a number of things, it's really helped me to, as you mentioned earlier on, get a perspective on life, on the things that I have, the things that, you know, I can still get, uh, the challenges that I'll be facing, um, the excitement it's it's given me this sort of you know this this excitement for life this new zest for life because it's made me realize that yeah you know things can happen in life and this comes to the second thing you know that i'm grateful for that you know the things that happen in life the twists and turns the challenges the awful things the horrible things the, the times where we feel like we want to throw in to coin your term the towel um and just being, just having the capacity, and don't know who this comes from. It's probably our upbringing, God, whatever higher power is there. That that, that capacity, the power to go on. I'm grateful that in the times where I felt like I was at my lowest, I carried on. That that spark still burnt, and continued to burn, and that today I am achieving things that I never imagined I, I, I would achieve. And I come to the final thing that I'm grateful for, which is I'm grateful that I'm able to achieve those things in, in a work capacity that just makes me admire life. It makes me appreciate life every single day. The things I'm doing, the changes that I'm making are are being seen on, you know, on a global level. Um, being part of something like that is just so amazing. Be being able to work with the people that I work with, where mm -hmm. I feel like I'm working with family, mm -hmm. is is just so heartwarming. Um, mm -hmm. The fact that I have a manager right now who asks me how I'm doing because she knows, you know, what's going on right now mm -hmm. uh, and what has been going on in my life. Um, mm -hmm. Just, just appreciates that and the fact that she checks in with me it's just those little things mm. that people don't often have in a in a work environment so mm. things i'm really grateful for Siddharth, thank you so much it's for... been a real pleasure yeah thanks for everything it's been wonderful really i wish you continued success thank you as always and i look forward to having dinner with you soon yes me too uh, I probably won't take you to that Brazilian place again where you hated the cake. <laughs> we can go back to that Chinese place because that was really yummy. Okay, fair enough. I know you love that Chinese place. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Kalsuma. Really, very much. It was really fun. That was Siddharth Nigam. He was talking to me about his grandfather who sadly died in 2019. I want to quote Siddharth from our conversation. Death can reflect in many areas of your life, give you newfound perspective one should embrace. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Which brings me to say a massive thank you to our subscribers and our listeners 
Early on in the year, we reached way over a thousand downloads. Thank you so much if that was you, and if you tapped that star rating and left us a generous review. However, for those of you that forgot, you can jump back into the Apple podcast and tap your star rating. It takes one second. I know many of you said we don't have an iPhone, so how do we do it? Well, your friends and family members might, so reach out to them and perhaps you can drop the star rating or review via their phone. We really need the support. We're a very small podcast with no funding or big brand backing. It means that our guests and I get a further reach in this very necessary and important conversation. If you want to reach out to us on social media, you can find us on Twitter. The handle is at Bereavement Room. On Instagram, it's at Bereavement Room. Or if you want to get in touch with me personally on Twitter, it's at Kolsima Ali. We are looking for more guests. So if you're interested in appearing on the podcast, do DM me. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Kosima Ali.